You're listening to Witch Wednesdays, your weekly podcast source for all things witchcraft in the modern world. Welcome back to Witch Wednesdays. I'm Steph, and you are listening to the first episode of 2022. If you can even believe it that we are in a brand new year. I know that for you, you heard from me just last week, but for me, I record episodes in advance, so I took a little break there and time off, which was a really nice little vacation. So I am back and excited to start a whole new year with you. I did last week ask you to fill out the survey, and I had posted that on Instagram in early December uh, with the link and everything. So if you wanted to fill out that survey and let me know what you want to see or hear about uh, coming up on the podcast this year, or on the YouTube channel, over on Patreon, you can let me know all of those things in the survey, as well as let me know if you would like to be a guest co-host on any of the upcoming episodes. I had a few people submit their contact information, so if I haven't gotten back to you yet, rest assured that I will be. Uh, I think I got back to everybody that was on the list, but that was from the last time that I checked uh, the responses, so it might be updated since then. So rest assured, I will be getting to you, but if you have not filled out that survey yet, I would greatly appreciate it. I got a lot of um, same or similar comments on there of what you would like to see or hear about. And one thing I did want to mention is that as far as daily spells and rituals go, that content is always over on YouTube and Patreon. That is just really hard to put into a podcast episode because I can kind of talk through it, but it's much easier when it's written down or you can actually see what I'm doing. So I highly recommend um, heading over there to subscribe. And on YouTube, it is free. And I think the first... Um, there's already some spells on there, but another one is coming this Friday. So if you haven't subscribed over there, definitely do so. Otherwise, I have lots of comments from you to start out this new year and get uh, a lot of your witchy questions answered. So the first one that came up, which you can tell by the title, was to talk a little bit more about energy manipulation and using that to power spell work. This is one of the very first episodes that Tara and I did back in season one. So if you've been around since that long, you will likely have heard that one. Um, we started with grounding, centering, energy manipulation, because that is the foundation of how we both practice. And if you need more um, specific information than what I'm going to share today, sort of um, practices and ideas of how to get better at this, then definitely check out Psychic Witch by Matt Oren. That came out um, last year, year before, and that is a really great resource for energy manipulation. It is chapter after chapter of exercises that you can do to get yourself better uh, at that side of things. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit today. There's two things that I wanted to touch on. The first is the methods of magic, because you kind of need to understand what those genres are before we talk about the different resources that you can tap into to draw energy to power your spells. So first, let's talk about the four main methods of magic. There are probably more. These are the four that I think most people are familiar with and most people use. 
when I say methods, these are sort of the bigger genres of magic. We've talked about, you know, candle magic and water spells and green witchcraft, but those are really subgenres of these four main genres. So the first one that you're probably familiar with is called sympathetic magic. This is by far the most common, and it's generally the idea of like causing like or the law of attraction. You take an item that is symbolic for a person, an event, an item, or energy that you're trying to manifest. And that is why we use correspondences. And we have talked about those in almost every episode, like using crystals or using um, a certain candle color, because those things match the same energy that you're trying to manifest. So this is sympathetic magic and, you know, dolls and poppets work the same way, talisman amulets. Um, We had episodes on all of those. So definitely the most common and one of the most useful. The second method is called the magical link method, which is very similar to sympathetic magic, but magical links are specifically using tag locks. And again, there was an episode about tag locks in season one. But this use of magical links and tag locks is really based on the belief that something that was once a part of someone can still affect them. Or that you are making something to give to that person that will influence them. So when you're saying that, you know, Something that was once a part of someone can still affect them. That is by using a piece of their clothing or a piece of their hair or your hair or your nails within your spell work to magically link that spell or that energy to that person. Or alternatively, like I said, it's something that you are making to give to them, which often happens in kitchen magic, that you are baking something with the intention that the person you're giving it to is going to consume that and thereby consume that energy. So you may be making something that is for love or protection or peace or healing for another person. And then when they consume your cooking, or if you are giving them a gift, you are giving them a talisman with that energy that you put in there, then by them having that item, that is a magical link to the energy of your spell. The third form method of magic is called gnosis, and that is spelled G-N-O-S-I-S. The term specifically originated in chaos magic, and I think I've gotten enough questions about chaos magic that it deserves its own episode later on in this season, so I will definitely be touching on that. But it doesn't have to be only about chaos magic when we are talking about gnosis. It refers to a mental state where everything is cleared from your mind except the one goal you're focusing on. This allows it to burrow deeply into your unconscious mind and continue to work there. It's what many of us do in visualization practices anyway, where the mind is clear and you just focus on and visualize what you want to happen. Just most people don't call it gnosis or don't know that it's called gnosis or that it originated with this chaos magic theory. So this practice is called inhibitory gnosis which is meditation or gazing, such as gazing in a crystal ball. And then on the other hand is excitatory gnosis, which is building up so much energy on the one specific goal that everything else is drowned out. And this is usually achieved through singing, dancing, drumming, or other sensory overload. And that is commonly associated with Beltane. But it definitely doesn't have to be. A lot of people prefer that method of magic and they will 
do a lot of singing, dancing, and drumming in order to um, get in the right state to completely focus on um, that one goal that they are trying to manifest. And the last method of magic that I wanted to touch on is the idea of amnesia spells or the set it and forget it method. And this method is so you don't dwell on it and link your energy of wanting something to the spell and thus having it manifest incorrectly. So sometimes people, when they are constantly focused on, I want this, I want this, I want this thing, and that sort of wanting, longing energy gets into that spell, it considers itself manifested according to the universe because you wanted it and you're still wanting it, so therefore it manifested. It doesn't always happen that way, but if you are struggling with spells and you are hyper-focused on something, it could be ideal for you to do the set it and forget it method. Usually sigil magic is a form of an amnesia spell where you write a sigil and then destroy it and forget about it, or you place it someplace where you don't see it and don't dwell on it and just sort of forget about it and release it to the universe and don't come back and question that uh, spell again. But it really is up to you because not everyone likes this method. Some people prefer to have their spell at the forefront of their mind and find that it works better if they are actively working on it. A lot of people need that reminder in order to do the mundane work that needs to go along with your magical workings, but um, some people prefer this set it and forget it method. So out of those four, sympathetic, magical links, gnosis, and amnesia spells, those are kind of the four main genres of magic or methods of magic. If you have any others that don't fall into those categories, definitely let me know in the comments over at whichwednesdays.com or on Instagram, whichwednesdayspodcast. Um, those are just the four main ones that I know about and really work with regularly. Um, but again, there's no one method that's better or worse than the other. Like everything in the witchcraft world, it really is just what works better for you. And sometimes it's a matter of trial and error of just practicing all of these different things until you find the methods that work best for you and best for that type of spell. So now that we have that idea of you know, these different magical methods out of the way, let's turn then to energy. Because every spell and ritual needs energy. So any of the methods that you use that I just listed, it doesn't matter if you use any one of them or if you have all the right tools or crystals or herbs, corresponding moon phase. None of that matters if you do not have anything powering the spell itself. You just won't get the magical response that you're looking for. We all have energy and energy is all around us. It cannot be created or destroyed, but it can be manipulated and focused, which is the basis of spell work. And like I said, if you need more information about this practice of manipulating energy, then go back to that episode in season one or check out the book that I recommended. But today I wanted to chat about some resources that you can tap into to draw on energy. The first and most common is, of course, personal energy. It's the easiest to access and to assign intention to because it's already your own energy. It's also always with you, so you can access it at any time, no matter your location. This is what most 
beginners use and specifically what we had the episodes on way back at the beginning of this podcast is your own personal energy and learning how that feels, learning how to draw that in and center it and then send that out. And your own personal energy has its own signature. Um, People who are empaths can sense it. It's sort of what your aura is. And that is the easiest to access and work with. However, it does have some downsides. It is a limited resource, of course, and overuse can lead to actually physically ill symptoms, which if you are a Harry Potter fan and have read the books or seen the movies, think of it like Harry Potter doing the Patronus charm when he has to have chocolate immediately afterwards because it draws so much of his energy and it's such a powerful charm that he gets physically ill symptoms from it and has to have the chocolate to make him feel better. And again, to make yourself feel better, it's exactly the same thing. Like chocolate, like eating, drinking will make you feel better if you feel like you've overused your personal energy and feeling physically ill from that. So it's really only useful for short-term workings and low energy workings like spell bags or bottles, things that are temporary. If something is going to be working for days, you need to draw on some other resource so you aren't constantly expending your own energy. So the rest of this list are some of those things that you can draw on. And first is, of course, coven energy. It's one of the reasons that being in a coven is so popular because you are able to draw on the energy of other practitioners in addition to your own. So when you have a bigger working, like one that is benefiting the whole group, no one person is using all of their energy and getting burnt out. But again, the downside with this is that you have to pick the right coven. That is why in the coven magic episode at the you know sort of end of last year, I talked about the various downsides and how to find the right one that works for you because that's why it's so important that everybody is at a similar skill level and level of willingness. So everyone is putting forth the same amount of effort and skill involved. So not, you know, one person is getting, giving all of their energy and getting totally burnt out. The whole idea of a coven is that that doesn't happen to anybody. But coven magic is not for everyone. I completely understand that. I am not in a coven myself. So something that is abundant and that I draw on often, and we've talked about often on this podcast, is drawing on earth energy. Earth energy is abundant and also completely neutral, making it ideal for beginners. We specifically talked about that in the grounding episode and also the earth element episode that Tara was on at the beginning of December. You can add any of your own intentions to this type of energy. And since it's so easily accessible, you can use it to replenish your own personal energy. And then it can be returned right back to the earth. So by grounding, you are imagining, you know, vines really growing from your feet down into the earth and mixing with that earth energy and pulling it back up into your body so you can use it. And then if you have excess energy, you can do the exact reverse grounding and put it back into the earth. Some witches report an overabundance of energy that manifests in physical feelings like buzzing, vibrating, generally feeling too high energy and slightly out of it. So when that happens, you can drain some of that excess energy back. The downside of earth energy is that it takes a little more work to add your specific intention to it. 
your own personal energy is easier to manipulate because you are so much more familiar with it and can feel it much better. And the neutral earth energy takes a little bit more work. But again, the more that you do that and practice that, the easier that that will become. In addition to the earth element, you can draw an elemental energy from the four physical elements. So besides earth, there's also air, fire, and water. And those can all be used to power a spell. And each one has its own associations, which obviously is something that we went over in each of the element episodes last season. The type of spell and desired outcome will determine how much of the element you need to work with, because obviously the power from a cup of tap water is much different than standing under a waterfall or near the ocean to complete a spell. So that's something that you have to consider before tapping into those elements. As far as the downsides, it is much harder to make this work in large quantities, especially if you are in the broom closet. And you may find it easier to work with only certain elements. If you need the correspondences of fire and aren't that comfortable with the fire element, it's probably not the best source of energy for you because it's really going to be working against you. And like I said, much harder if you're in the broom closet to get those huge resources um, and amounts of this energy. It's not always easy to start a bonfire if you are uh, in the broom closet. And the next source of energy that's very commonly used is from objects. So that's plants, crystals, metals, etc. all have this innate energy. And we talked about that in the crystals episode, how crystals work and are used in things like radios because they do have a vibration. Some pagan paths also believe that these things have spirits themselves. This idea is called animism, which is something that I believe in. But regardless, if you view it as innate energy or a spiritual energy, it can be drawn on in spell work. That's why we include these things in spell jars and charm bags. It's occasionally because of their physical properties, like when you're using herbs in healing, but it's more often because of their energetic properties. The energy of those items, if it matches your intention for the spell, will draw in the same energy to manifest that spell. For example, when crafting a spell for self-love, which is often use rose quartz because of its energetic properties that correspond with love. So this is that sympathetic magic of like attracting like. The downside is that each of these items on their own don't contain a ton of energy. They will mostly help you boost the intention of that spell, so you still need another source of energy for the spell itself. There is more energy though if you are instead working with a living plant's spirit. So if you go outside and work with a bush or a tree that is growing in the ground that has a lot more energy that it can offer you as opposed to dried herbs or small pieces of crystal. The next on the list is spirits and deities. So they can also offer a source of energy, but it's obviously not for everyone. This encompasses all types of spirits out there, so including fae and familiars. So what you choose to work with will depend on your own traditions. So you either ask for their assistance in a working where you put in your own energy and then ask for theirs as well, or you ask that spirit to do something on your behalf so then they can manifest it for you. The downside is that you always have to give something in return, like an offering. They are also associated with specific things, especially deities. So you have to pick the right deity for that working and then build a relationship with them first. We've 
mentioned that in various uh, deity and fey episodes that you really want to establish a working relationship first, just like you would establish a friendship with somebody before asking them for a big favor. So I really don't think it's a good idea to pick and choose deities based on you know, what spell you're doing that day. And then out of the blue, just ask them to assist with you, even though you have never interacted with them before or given, you know, proper offering or gotten to know them. I feel like that's an easy way to get it to backfire on you. Another common energy source to work with is cosmic energy because many witches are drawn to the moon and the power of the different moon phases. And of course, talk all the time about how Mercury retrograde ruins everything, but you can also work with the sun and all of the planets, each of which have their own associations, as well as the stars and comets. The constellations of the zodiac are also very popular to work with. That is something that I do myself. The downside of that is that they aren't all great for a beginner, because some have very intense energy, like that of Mercury, So if you are a beginner in the realm of cosmic energy, I don't think that Mercury or Mars is a great place to start, but the moon would be. The moon has very gentle energy. It's very easy to work with that cyclical cycle over the course of 28 days, and it's relatively straightforward. So easier for a beginner to tap into moon energy and then work their way up to something like Mercury. And the last idea that I wanted to touch on is the idea of an energetic tether, which is really interesting. And as always, I link resources over at witchwednesdays.com. So I will link the website that has a whole page explaining what energetic tethers are. And it's a really interesting idea. So I would highly recommend checking that out and the other resources that I will have on the list, which are some books and YouTube channels. But energetic tethers can power spells for advanced practitioners. I would not say that this is a beginner method. So you can create a physical object that you pour your personal energy into daily over a long period of time. So it stores all of that energy for later use, like a battery. It has to be an object that can hold a lot of energy. So like copper and quartz, those store energy. And then you attach the working to this battery to keep it powered for a long time instead of attaching it to yourself and your own personal energy. Because like I said, your own personal energy will get drained very quickly. And by pouring a little bit every single day into this energetic tether, this battery, then you will have this source to draw upon that will have a ton of energy in it and then then power your spell. And you can also make this sort of battery that charges on a cycle like the moon cycle. But again, it's not easy because you have to energetically link using your own energy, the spell to the battery. And for beginners, that probably sounded very confusing. And it is, that is something that comes with advanced practicing and um, advanced working with your own energy in order to know how to energetically link those two things together, the spell to the battery. This is something that I have set up um, for a protection on my house that charges with the moon cycle. So if that's something that you're interested in, I will probably put that over on Patreon to 
you know, walk you through that of what it is and how I did that. Um, so then that is sort of a passive home protection that I have over our space because I know it's constantly being charged by the moon cycle. So those are all the various resources that you can use for drawing energy and raising energy for spells. Like I said, it's we all have it and it's all around us, can't be created or destroyed, but it can be manipulated and you know laser focused into your specific spell. So all of these resources can be incredibly useful if you are somebody who drains your personal energy very quickly. Some people just have less of it to start with to put towards spell work. And for some people, some spells will drain a lot more than others based on the type. So having this sort of list here of other places to draw on energy from can be incredibly helpful. And again, where you want to draw that energy from obviously is what you are most comfortable with, but can also fit with what kind of you know method of magic that you are going to do out of those four. I would say sympathetic is the most common, in which case we draw on the elemental energy as well as the energy from objects, but you can pick and choose from this whole list. And of course, the list will be over at witchwednesdays.com if you want to check that out. So if you have any methods of magic or resources for energy that I did not talk about, then absolutely let me know in the comments or over on Instagram or join the free Discord server and chat over there. There are lots of witches in that community that all have their own ideas because everybody practices differently. So it is a great space to get more ideas on how each one of these specifically works or um, if there is something else that I did not mention that they can share with you. That is all I have for this week and I will see you next week. Thanks for being here for the first episode and a brand new year. Welcome to 2022. Need even more? Subscribe to Patreon and YouTube for exclusive bonus content. Order a themed witchcraft box every month through Witch Wednesdays on Etsy. Be sure to follow on Instagram at Witch Wednesdays Podcast. Find all these links and more at witchwednesdays.com.